0: Your junior high years, you remember those? Some of y'all, I know it was a long, long time ago, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, middle school years. Generally speaking now, I know that was, was that a positive experience or a negative experience? What I want you to do is look at the person next to you, thumbs up, you don't have to say anything, thumbs up or thumbs down, okay? Your junior high years, go ahead and communicate, thumbs up, thumbs down with the person next to you. Now, I noticed a lot of y'all not, not communicating on that. Were they were they kinda like this or what I, I don't know. Uh seventy four, seventy five, seventy six, I was at Laramie Junior High School in Oak Forest, Illinois. Uh it was a tough thing as far as the, the changes going on in my body. But beyond that, actually, it was kind of a magical time for me. You know, I, I started playing my horn. I was in the, the band. That was kind of a fun thing. I was in a play, a little bit more independence from home. I, my class schedule had a homeroom, actually, now. I'm changing hours on a, a, every, every hour for a different class. Uh, generally speaking, it was a, it was a great time. However... Uh, as thrilling as Laramie was, it had a dark side to it as well, and the dark side's name was Alan Browning. Oh man, everyone's got an Alan, don't they? We had. Um, he was in my arm room, and Alan was, was and I'm, I'm I'm characterizing this this guy properly. I, I I believe. If anything, I'm being nice to him. So, <laughs> y'all can go that route. But Alan was a scary, scary kid. And he, I mean, black T-shirts with the skulls and the heavy metal stuff and black pants and chains and motorcycle type boots and a vest. And he was sixth grade, right? Um, But what made Alan scary is not not that he was so big or anything, but but he was a loner kid. Alan was unpredictable and Alan did not have any fear. He was very apathetic. He did not care if, if he gets in trouble or not. He doesn't care if he got hurt or not. He didn't care if he hurt you or not. He didn't care if the law came knocking on his door, which it seemed to do on a regular basis. He just did not care if he was suspended. He didn't care. And you, you know, when you play that out, that's a scary sort of thing. Um, we would watch Alan every once in a while just erupt. He would be in a fight with a bully. He'd be in a fight with some innocent little sweet kid. He just was just a wild cat. Um, he had a reputation for, for being a Quincentennial partier person. He was just, he would come to school, I'm serious, either stoned, I mean high, or drunk on, on a regular basis. Sixth grade, this kid. And uh, every once in a while, he would just ditch school and he would go hop a ride with some of his high school pothead buddies and drive around the block a couple times before he'd come back. Um, Alan was just a rough guy. And in all honesty, I'll give you an idea of some of my run ins with Alan, my junior high years would have been much better without Alan Browning, just so you know. Now, the problem with junior high Allens is junior high Allens go into high school Allens, and then they turn into college Allens, and and sometimes they then turn into co-worker Allens or neighbor Allens. That's a horrible one, right? Or, God forbid, spouse Allens. Oh, what do you do with the Allens in your life? Like, let's say the hitman is not available and you don't want to get in trouble with the law anyway. What do you do with these guys? Now, let's go 180 on this thing. What do you do if, in fact, you are Alan? Now, now you need to know some things about Alan. Alan does not think he's got a problem, right? This issue is not his issue. This issue is everyone else's issue. There's is a conspiracy. They are out against me. Everything is falling on me. I'm a nice guy trying to do what I'm supposed to do, and everything is coming against me. And I, Perhaps they feel very unloved. Or at least you know, you got the charade game going, but you know that if people really knew what was going on inside and who you really were, they would not love you. It's an alien thing. Uh, Maybe grades didn't come as easy for you. The the breaks didn't happen as often for you. Uh, You wished you were quicker, uh, but you just didn't get the words or the understanding or the crazy problems that everyone else seemed to be able to figure out. You were not able to figure them out. And you just felt like... uh, academically a loser, or, or perhaps there's this rain cloud following you. The rain cloud can be called a lot of different things. This could be a depression thing, or it could be a um, sexual thing, an anger thing, a, a bad habit thing. That's a sin thing. And you know that if there's a God someplace, he knows all this stuff, of course, and God would probably label me an Alan sort of person. So what do you do with the Allens, whether they're external and there's somebody you wish wasn't there or it's internal. He's in your veins and you wish he wasn't there, but he is. What do you do with that? Well, the text we're looking at this morning in our series is fantastic because it deals with a group of Allens at Jesus' birth. Believe it or not, it's a fantastic text. If you open your Bible with me to Luke chapter two, Luke chapter two. Let's talk about shepherds for a little bit this morning. Shepherds. Luke 2, beginning in verse 8. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Now, uh, a couple things. Shepherds, who are they? Well, first of all, do not think that these are your... squeaky clean kids wearing their dad's bathrobes, you know, something out of the Christmas pageants that we've seen. Oh, yeah, shepherds, we're familiar with these guys. No, 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 no. At the, by this point in history, Jewish history, the shepherds' trade had evolved into something notorious. It was not a, a good thing. Uh, these guys would, I mean, they had the toughness of the marines, the scruples of the hell's angels, and the, the reputation of the mafia. I mean, these were a, a rough group of guys. They, they would take on wild predatory animals. Remember David fighting bears and lions? This is the Kind of thing that they, they dealt with. They would take on thieves on a regular basis, and and these folk were considered. We'll talk about it in a second, but they were considered the bottom dwellers of society. This was these were not your rich, powerful scum. You know, like the tax gatherers. These were the the, the uneducated, poverty stricken scum, and and the, that which separated the shepherds from the rest of the masses was not their socioeconomics, because let's face it, almost everybody was in a poverty boat at this point. But the fact that they were considered unclean. Unclean is, is a, it's a Jewish term, and what it refers to, religious term, is somebody who is not acceptable to God. And it, it deals with your externals as well as the internals, but after the whole ball of wax is said and done, it is not acceptable to God. Now, now the shepherds had really no, no choice here, uh, because there was a whole long list of stuff you had to do and stuff you had to avoid if you were going to remain clean. Well, their job did not allow them to do these things. For example, they were dealing with diseased animals on a regular basis. Unclean. Open sores. Unclean. Dead animals. Unclean. The feces of the animals. Unclean. They couldn't get away from it. Now, here's the problem. If you were unclean, you could not go to the temple. Now, the temple of Judaism was a pretty big deal. Salvation is only found in the temple. Redemption can only be found in the temple. Relationship with God. Remember, to say that the temple was the house of prayer, what that means is where you can actually commune with God. Where your sins can be taken care of and you can be put back into a right relationship with God. It was found in the temple. The shepherds can't go to the temple. So guess what? Shepherds are on the outs. They're on the outs with God. Now, they also had developed, at least at this point in history, the shepherd trade into a very unethical situation as well, because you know, any group of people whose society will continually reject will in time reject society. And, and the, the, the shepherds at this point had zero scruples. Generally speaking, their, their trade was known as that which held vagabonds and the dishonest and, and the thieves. This were the shepherds. Now, now look what they did. They were watching over their flocks at night. Context is they're near Bethlehem. Um, Bethlehem is a suburb of, of Jerusalem. The temple is in Jerusalem. And in the temple, you had sacrifices happening every day. Now, whenever... Just on its own. But then you had pilgrims coming to town every day. They're there for business or whatever else. And when you came through town, you stopped at the temple and you offered sacrifice. Then on the high holy days, tens of thousands of sacrifices are going on. And so the temple needed a a, a constant supply of pristine sacrificial type animals. And tradition says that these shepherds were watching over a sacrificial flock. Now, I think that that's kind of cool, if that's true. Because these these guys that have watched lamb after lamb after lamb after lamb lamb be born, and each one of them they know is being born heading towards the altar. They're all born for the purpose of dying. They get to watch the Lamb of God after he's been born. The one through all these other animals are just shadows pointing to this one. This is is the final sacrifice. They get to be right there. I think that's kind of cool. Well, the shepherds are, are there. And it says that an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, this angel of the Lord, most probably this is Gabriel. If you think about Gabriel's assignments thus far in our study, first of all, he's called on, after 500-year hiatus, he's called on to go to Zechariah, old man in the temple. This is, a, this is a pretty cool old man, right? This guy is... Uh, got an incredible, uh, heritage and pedigree. He's from a very uppity religious family. He is a priest and he's just inches away from the Holy of Holies, the most sacred spot on earth. We would say, yes, if an angel's gonna show up, that's where an angel should show up. And six months later, Gabriel gets the assignment. He's to go to to Nazareth in Galilee. Not necessarily a hotbed for religiosity, but he goes up there and he finds a junior high, uneducated uh, peasant girl who was deeply in love with the Lord, who understood God's word incredibly so, knew how it intersected her life. She was the servant of the Lord. She had God's favor. Gabriel probably, I can imagine him saying, yeah, I can understand this one. Nine months later, he's sent to shepherds. These scallywags, you know, these guys that are culturally ostracized and religiously anathematized and, and sophisticatedly ignorant. They're, they're, they are ethically suspect. These are like a Southern California motorcycle gang group of guys. And Gabriel's got to be looking at him, going, how in the world? Yeah, I can see Zechariah and I can see Mary, but how do these guys fit in the picture? What are these guys about? But, but his coming was different than his coming to Zechariah and Mary, right? You see this? It was much grander. Uh, It says the glory of the Lord shone around them. But by the way, Zechariah did not see the glory of the Lord. Mary did not see the glory of the Lord. But these shepherds did. Well, what does that mean? In Exodus 33. Exodus 33. Moses You know, there there are three really three key people in the Old Testament according to Judaism. There's Abraham, there's Moses, and there's David. Uh, Keyest, it would seem, is Moses because what Moses does is Moses. Remember, he he gets the Israelites out of Egypt. He delivers them. He's like a spiritual OBGYN. He delivers them out of Egypt. They are now their own nation. He was the deliverer. He was the, he was the nursemaid. And surely he was, because he then is, is interacting with God and he brings the law to Israel. And the blueprints for the tabernacle and the temple, which is where salvation came from, and the priesthood, and all the holidays, they all coming through Moses. Moses was a pretty big name. And so Moses, very, we would say, top wrong, Old Testament saint, he is he, praying here and he's praying for what a, a saint, someone who loves God, wants. They want to know God, right? So he says, Moses said, now, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. But, he said, you cannot see my face For no one may see me and live. And the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back. But my face uh, must not be seen. Now, we know God does not have a body. John 4 lets us know God is spirit. He doesn't have a body. Not like a real big one. He doesn't have a body. These anthropomorphisms here. But the face is knowing someone fully. You know, you should quit talking behind my back. Let's talk to me face to face. We, we know what that means. It's, it's, it's 100%. It's right there. It's everything you are. And Moses is saying, I want to see all of you, God. It's a good prayer. But God says, oh, Moses, let me tell you what. Man, you cannot handle all of me right now. So I'm going to show you Vestiges of me, a little bit of my, my, my glory. You can't, you can't see. It's all of who he is. God is. And, and what? Moses didn't get it. Moses couldn't see God. Mark, Moses, top rung. What, what he, scripture says that he spoke to God face to face as a man does his friend. Scripture says that Moses was the most humble man on earth. And he didn't get it. Instead, you know who gets it? The shepherds. And you say, what in the world is going on? And what God is saying is is top-rung Old Testament guys wanted so much to know me. But the Old Testament system, best that they could have, it was the absolute best that was out, it was woefully inadequate. But this baby, being born, you can know me like you never would have imagined. Even, get this, even... Shepherd types, people who are unclean. I can imagine the shepherds going, "What? What is going on? I, I, I can't. I can't believe this." Um, back in Luke two, suddenly. We're going to skip down to verse 13. A great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Now this great number of, of angels. This is really an incalculable number. Uh, keep in mind, if one angel scares the bejeebers out of somebody, what does a ton of angels do to somebody? You know, I mean, these guys, is all they could do to hold it together. Some have said that we've got no way of knowing this, but some have said that what God did here is he emptied heaven of all the angels. They were all, who, who knows, but it was a number you couldn't count of angels. Uh, amazing. And they got to come talk to uh, the shepherds of all things. Now, these shepherds, as unscrupulous as they were, they were Jewish. They, they knew the, the legend, the myth that one day God would send forth his messiah they they knew, they knew the expectation they had watched all the people go through their long lists of trying to do things and not do things in order to be on, uh, more, in order to be clean and, and they 've watched this, and what they 've experienced from these people are uh, the good ones would probably just neglect them. but if anyone said anything to them, it wasn 't good, and they probably were met with judgmentalism and sneers and, and mocking. This is what they had coming towards them. They knew, because the people had told them, and they knew they were unclean, that if God has anything for you, shepherds, you know what he's got for you? He's got a big stick. That's what he's got for you. And so they thought, if God has any concern for me, you know what? It's probably judgment. That's what he has for me. Well, they come to him. I love this. And they said in verse 10, the angel said to them, do not be afraid. It's not the. I mean, they would probably if they knew God's coming to get you and God's got a big stick and he's going to let you have it. And you wake up one day and suddenly angels everywhere is like, "Ah, this is it. This is the time. So the first thing they say is, no, 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 no. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Good news. Shepherds. Good news for you, for all people, including you, shepherds. And they're thinking, man, he's got these angels are in the wrong place. They're supposed to be going somebody else. I mean, the, the good news, the, the the Messiah being born, it's not for us. We're unclean. But the angels say, no, no, no. This is good news for you. Uh, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. But the Christ, the Lord, Luke. He's taken every opportunity he can for Theophilus here to, to remind Theophilus, the guy he's writing this letter to, that, of Jesus' identity. If you get this wrong, Christmas is a sham. It's useless. He goes to Zechariah in the first place and he says that, that God is going to send his Messiah, the, the Lord. He goes to Mary and says, Mary, you're gonna have a baby, but no, no human father, which is conceiving you will be by the Holy Spirit. He will be called son of the most high. He's deity, he's God, he created everything. Uh, kind of a mind blowing thing. Zechariah's song, you know when John after John was, was born, we didn't go into his song, but if you were to look at his song, he's praising God a lot, not necessarily or primarily because of John. He does a little bit, but primarily because of God's grace. It's time to send the Messiah. I mean, it, 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 Luke goes over and drives into your head. Please don't forget the identity. He is the Lord. That's who we're dealing with here. And you'll find him, uh, this great man, God himself, wrapped in cloths in line in a manger. Now, I'm guessing shepherds probably knew a thing or two about mangers. I'm guessing probably uh, it's a possibility, I suppose, since this is right in their neck of the woods, that maybe some of the shepherds that day built that manger. Now, we have to make sure that we don't bring our 21st century American suburban uh, romanticized, sterilized view of the stable to this picture here. If, if the inn is crowded, y'all, there's no room. Can you imagine what the parking lot looks like? I mean, there are gazillion animals. And they're doing what animals do, and there are flies, and they're stinking and sweating. And my guess would be, I'm not sure on this, but my guess would be that they didn't take the manger out that morning and power wash the thing with with a hot bleach solution. And we're talking filthy. There's a carpet of manure on the floor. This thing is so ceremonially unclean, it's incredible. Now tell me, I'm guessing that shepherds, if they would feel comfortable indoors anywhere, they'd probably be here. Faces, very familiar faces of all the livestock. The smells right where they are. Again, yeah, maybe they built the manger. I can imagine the shepherds come and they see Jesus and they go, oh, can you believe this? The Son of God, he's, he's one of us. They, 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 they see this couple that the world has shut down. There's no room for them, just like them i I think that that he is doing he 's removing any obstacle that could possibly be between him and the shepherds have you, Have you ever met a real famous person i mean we 're talking we 're not talking a second string player for a triple a baseball team we are talking. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, President of the United States. We're not, we're not a limo where they get out on red carpet. We're talking a limo where they got three Escalades on either side and their bodyguards all jump out. And, and they have to make sure that you and I don't come near them. And we've got to be a long ways away from them. But let's just say that somehow you were able to get close closer than that. And you notice they're close. You'd probably say, Phew, I can't believe such things even exist. This is incredible. And then you look at their jewelry and <laughs> you'd say, are those real man. And then you remember the the article from People Magazine that their yacht was the size of a carnival cruise ship and, and now are you thinking we're good friends. He understands me so well. He knows me. He cares you know, no. No, they might be a nice person. It's, but they live in a different world, don't they? I mean, it's just a different world doesn't know me, can't understand how I operate, doesn't understand what's, what's important to me, What's what my issues are, my concerns, has no idea. It's just a different world. The closer you get to them physically, the broader the gap emotionally. You realize this person has nothing to do with you. Now, look at this. I think Jesus removes all the obstacles. So these shepherdy people walk in and they go, it's one of us. He's one of us. Now, parenthetically, let me just throw this out. Uh, what if Shepherdy people donned FAC? You know, how would we respond? How would they feel when they, when they left? That that's a, that's, that's a, a, can be a haunting question. Now, this is really a harbinger of, of all that's to come for, for Jesus. And what Luke is letting Theophilus know is, is, is you need to know Theophilus. In Jesus' birth, the very first people he ministered to. We're shepherdy people. And you know what? As he grows up, he's gonna hang out with Matthew the tax collector. Very unclean thing to do, invite himself over and have a party with the Pharisee people, or then invite himself over to uh Zacchaeus' house with the chief tax gatherer. And then he would he would uh, protect the woman caught in adultery. Yeah, and then he would he would uh invest his time in the woman at the well, loose gal. He would uh, befriend and invite into his circle of ministry, Mary Magdalene, from whom he cast out seven demons. Talk about unclean. And then he would befriend the demoniac of the Gerasenes. One thousand demons. Talk about unclean and spades. And then he would touch lepers. And then he would touch dead people to rise him from major unclean. And Luke is saying, you need to know something about, about this, this Messiah, Theophilus. This is who. He came for. We think that sometimes that the shepherds in the story, you know, it's like God needed a little cool little statue around our manger scene and thought shepherds that'll work. Yeah, that'll work. Of course, that fits real nice. Uh, shepherds are not an afterthought. They are not a nicety. They are not a, a, a decoration. Shepherds are the reason. It's the whole purpose. People who recognize I am unclean. Yes. That's why he came. That's what it was for. Um, let's, we'll skip down to verse 15, though. I don't have this one on the, on the screen, I don't think, but uh, we'll be there in just a second. It says, When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which is the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told about them, about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Don't you love it? Uh, Very first evangelists. Very first people to bear testimony of Jesus are those whose testimony is not accepted in court are those who don't tell the truth. They were commissioned by God to tell the most incredible truth. Um, you know, there's this, that second group of people whose testimony also is outla- outla- outlawed in court were women. Uh, you gals think you have it bad. I know we've got a long ways to go and all, but they really had it bad here. A rabbi would pray, Lord, thank you for not making me a Gentile or a woman. A woman's testimony was not allowed in court yet. Who were the first people that God commissioned to go to the tomb to bear testimony of the resurrection? It was the women. And you know what? If I'm writing a book that I want people to believe, I'm not including that part because culturally that was a bad thing to put in there. But all four gospel writers include it. Maybe because it's true. It's what happened. I can just see God choosing that what he's chosen. Um. To bear testimony and witness of him. Um, 1 Corinthians 1. This is a cool, a cool uh, text. 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 26. It says, Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not. That's the unclean things. To nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. You might say, you know, yeah, yeah I know he came for shepherds and all, but, but you, you don't know me. You don't know where I've been, what I've done. You don't know what I've thought. You don't know the hurt I have caused. You don't know what constantly boils in my system. You don't, you don't know. But Jesus knows. And Jesus is saying, you think I've come to, to clean up the clean? I've come to call the unclean to me. That's what it's about. Uh, 1990. i told this a true story. 1990. Uh, uh, couple decided that they were going to have their wedding reception at the Boston Hyatt. Uh, so they go down the Boston Hyatt and they're going to pull all stops. Man, this is going to be a party like the Hyatt has never seen before. And so they, they choose very special silver. They choose exquisite China. They choose uh, oh, incredible flower displays. They hire the best big band that they can get in, in Boston. And they are going to have an incredible party. Well, the uh, groom on the day the invitations are supposed to be sent out. gets a case of chronic cold feet. Uh, and so he leaves this gal. And she's, of course, devastated. But she has to go back through and clean up the mess. She heads to the, the Hyatt and she explains her situation. And, of course, they're very empathetic. and uh, we're so sorry. And it says that one of the gals there actually cried with her saying, I, you know, same kind of thing happened to me. But as sympathetic and as gracious as the folks at the Hyatt were, they pointed out that very clearly in the contract and company policy states that the deposit, $6,500, is non refundable. So her choices either A, walk away and lose her deposit, or go ahead and have the party. Well, she's trying to figure this thing out. She goes be by herself a little bit, she thinks through her decisions. And she decides to go with the party, but to change the guest list a little bit. She had had, several years earlier, she'd been down on her luck, just a horrible, horrible time of life. She lived in the streets for a little bit and actually spent time in a homeless shelter. I'm telling this a true story. Homeless shelter. And so she decided to send out invitations to the missions and the homeless shelters. She herself went, daylight, passing out invites to the, the people living and sitting and living in the streets. Inviting them to a party like they couldn't imagine, warm June evening, nineteen ninety, the, the the Boston Hyatt saw a, a party like they had never seen before. You can imagine. You got white-gloved, t- tuxedo on waiters um, serving uh, champagne to bag ladies and vagrants and, and, and addicts. You got folk who lived off of stale. Pizza crust, dining on chicken cordon bleu and asparagus and and chocolate cake. By the way, I'm told that, uh, as the article reads, this gal, she kept the whole party the same, except she changed her menu to boneless chicken in um, honor of her former fiancé. And so all all (laughs) these these people who are are normally living, they're spending their nights on a park bench. They are dancing the night away. Now, Now, think about this picture for a minute. You have got... A party that is, is reserved usually for, for the elite, being served to society's bottom dwellers, as it were. You've got a party that is fit for the king, for folk who had never seen the likes of such thing. An incredible discordant, discontinuity. And here, you've got the glory of God coming to shepherds, who everyone had told them, you are the last person on earth they believed it and they were there and they're among the first that the shepherds come to and says good news got good news for you let's uh, bring this together for just a moment tie this up Uh, do you know any shepherdy people in your life i mean you you know the names come you, you you probably got a list of them That you would say, you know, I know God loves everybody and all, but if there was an exception, this person would be on that list. I was in college. I was home from, from school. My church was about 70 people. That was on a good day. That included nursery. And so we knew whenever the annual visitor came, everybody knew this. This was a big thing. And that, that day, our annual visitor showed up. He's a guy about my age. He's uh, looking somewhat dapper, and he's in his, his three-piece suit, And as, as he came, I thought, I recognize this guy from somewhere, but I, I don't. I'm not. As we talked, this guy was in Bible college. This guy was preparing for the pastorate, and as, as we talked further, his name was Alan Browning. "I'm not joking. this is absolutely true. And I'm thinking, bro, what happened to you? You know, I expect you to be in jail or dead. So I'm like, what is this? He said, you have no clue how messed up my life. was. I mean, you probably do to an extent. But what was going on inside my family, it was just, or lack there. He said it was just the biggest mess. And I really didn't care. And I kind of hoped I died. And somebody along the way uh, shared with me Christ and that he came for people like me. I thought, that was the greatest news in the world. Everybody should be told this. So I thought, I've got to tell people this. (laughs) Is this one of the shepherds or what? I love this. Uh, If you have an Alan Browning in your life, and no doubt you've got several. Are they past or are they beyond the the power of God? God came for the Alan Brownings. Have we remodeled the stable? You know, if you were to go to the stable today, and its tradition says it's a cave, and today there's a church of nativity built over it, a pretty big ornate thing, and they've got marble pillars, and they've got frescoes and mosaics, and they replaced the manger with a silver manger, um, gold and velvet. Would a shepherd feel comfortable in there today, I wonder? Have, Have we remodeled the gospel in such a way that a shepherd would look at it and say, it's not for me. Have we remodeled our own lives not with transformation of god 's grace through the power of the spirit, but with a cold orthodoxy or a cold legalism that if we bump up against a shepherdy type, you know what they 're saying they 're saying i 'm being rejected by the religious establishment again how, how, how about how about fAC have we remodeled FAC i mean if God sent us Somebody, and it doesn't matter if they're blue hair and piercings, or if they're uh, wearing an Avanti suit, if they're driving a '73 Cutlass or 2012 Lamborghini. That's an irrelevant issue. I know this: that if they come here and they don't know him, they're they're, they may be skeptical of God. They might be very skeptical of the church, and whether or not they return is going to be partially dependent, at least, on how they're treated. Well, how are we going to treat... Now, listen, I don't expect us to, you know, handful of us to grab the guy and pull him in the back room and beat him up. We're not going to do that. But might we just benign neglect? We'll see him from a distance and kind of, you know, well, I guess they're okay. What, what do we convey to them? Do we convey to them, we're glad you're here. We've been waiting for you. This place is for you. Or do we convey to them, um, you, you can come, but you need to know, this is an insider's club, man. So You, you can come if you want, but... This is for us. It's for insiders. We're communicating something to them. And this is, this is not an infomercial, but, but Keith is starting a, a first impressions team whose goal it is to do all that needs to be done so that when folk walk in, they might turn aside and leave because of the gospel. We're not going to water down scripture. But let's pray that it's not because... Uh, they weren 't met as Christ met the shepherds in this, in this in the stable you know it 's so wild the, the shepherds knew that many, many, many years ago King David was a shepherd Jesus said, "I am the good shepherd." Uh, Jesus had an awful lot in, in, in he didn 't say so didn 't forget he was just a day old. he he had an awful lot in common with these shepherds. He would lay down his life for his flock, as they were supposed to. He was very familiar. This is perfect, being in a stable, because the Son of Man would not have a place to lay down his head. Just like the shepherds, he'd be a bit of a wanderer. The Son of Man, Jesus, the good shepherd, would be rejected by the religious establishment, just like the shepherds. He had a lot in common. But what the shepherds, maybe they didn't know, is that at that point in history, they were his flock. Jesus was their shepherd. When the folk come in, we've got to be reminded that we are shepherdy. That God's grace has been bestowed to, to us, not because we've earned it or deserve it, or what, but just because of God's grace. Do you know of any shepherds in your own, own life? How, what message are they getting from you? The second point of application. Do you feel shepherdy? You have a little bit of uh, shepherdiness running through your, your veins. Where well, you think, man, unclean, unclean. But please, please I mean, don't. I mean, don't go on a martyr complex where you're saying, "Well, I'm no, I'm just not going to accept God's grace." Please know that the passage says, "He came to the shepherds." Because the shepherds were not an afterthought. They were the point. They were the purpose. They were the reason why he came. That's the reason why we've got the, the decorations and what Christmas is. Because that's who he came for. He came for you. And the angel would say to you, good news. Good news. Great joy. I'm coming to you. You've got a shepherd. And he's here to make He knows about your uncleanness. He's here to make you clean. Uh, shepherds are not the, an afterthought.